You're listening to the podcast for grain merchandisers by grain merchandisers. Join us in our good humored attempt to serve as a voice of reason in an industry fraught with misconceptions and half truths. And now, from deep in America's heartland, this is the Elevator's Cut. Hello and welcome back to another episode of The Elevator's Cut. I am one of your hosts, Roger Gaddis. And I am your other host, Jason Wheeler. You don't seem happy to be here, Jason. What's wrong today? I'm, I'm doing great. Uh, the the st- stonk market has crashed today and yesterday and I think the day before too. And uh, we all are going to get coronavirus. But other than that, things are going great. Well, with the stonks being down, Corona should be cheap, right? Like wheat berries. Y'all, if you don't know, (laughs) you can buy, if you so choose, a five-gallon bucket containing 36 pounds of hard, this thing called hard red wheat berries on the computer line for the bargain of $81. (laughs) Also, it has a sticker on the side that you are ready to be prepped. That just doesn't say what you're being prepped for. But I have an idea. Dude, apparently prepper wheat is the equivalent of deer corn. It's incredible. It's the greatest merchandising gig there is. But unfortunately, there's only so many five-gallon buckets in the world. So we can't sell all the wheat that way. Or can we? So today, in honor of the season we find ourselves in... We're going to talk about farm marketing meetings. Indeed. What is that? Did I say that right? Farm marketing meetings? Some people call them farmer meetings. Some people call them farmers meetings. So, so you got to have the emphasis on the right syllable. Some people call it a snooze fest. Am I right? <laughs> Some people hate them. Some people love them. Some people do large Large farm marketing meetings. Others uh, do small ones. It's uh, we, we want to delve into all the different so, ways and reasons. And yeah. but to be clear, we're not talking about marketing farmers, right? If we have first-time listeners, we got to be clear and condescending. That's you know, it's good that you brought up uh, condescension because it seems like we. Uh, it, you can you can cross that line pretty easy at a at a farmer meeting. That's that's the one we're always writing. That's why people I think rely more on charts and stuff is because that way I don't have to be so condescending. And it's it's how do I say look if the crop gets bad if the weather's real bad and we don't make a bunch the prices will be higher and vice versa right. And everyone knows all this stuff. So to say it sometimes can imply that people don't know it and it can seem condescending so that you're always riding that line it seems like to me yes am i being condescended to right now (laughs) always roger no so you know it's it's that it's that time of year it's winter time it's before you know well you know in theory people could get out in their fields um, you're pretty quick and get something done, but, uh, mother nature has other plans currently. 
Anyway, it's meeting season. You know, everybody's got all their meetings in agriculture, and it seems like in January and February, for, and for good reason, at least in production grain agriculture side, uh, because there's not much else to do other than drink in your farm shop, I guess. So, you know, at least get out of that atmosphere and go, uh, you know, listen to someone drive you to drinking by reading slides on a PowerPoint. But it doesn't have to be that way, I think is, you know, this is the point. So farm marketing means, what are they? Why do we do them? We, we've already established why they happen now and this time of year, and they can happen other times of year, and they do. But I think the bulk of them across the country happen now. Um, why have these? Is it an inertia thing? Is it an expectation? Is it punishment? What is it? Well, some people do. It's it's that time of year, and they just they do them every year. They want to have a they call them uh, some some call them just customer appreciation days, and they want to get all their customers, invite them all, and buy them a meal or whatever. And um, sometimes that can be a little rough as far as the marketing of your farm marketing meetings. It, what do they expect, right? Do they expect to be hey the the this place I do business with wants to thank me and buy me foods and drinks and I can bring my family or not or whatever, whatever it is. Or, and uh, they make a big event of it, which is great. And you should do things like that. I'm not, I'm not saying it's bad, but they don't expect to really come and get a, a marketing talk. But you're there. <laughs> you've got one waiting for them, right? And so they're not really in the, in the I guess, headspace to to listen to a marketing meeting maybe when they arrive always. You know, it, it, it kind of depends because some of these, you know, get uh, get grouped together. You'll have a, um, a marketing guy talk. You'll have an agronomy guy talk. You can have a crop insurance guy talk. You can have a lender talk. You can have an extension agent talk. If you have them all talk at the same time, it's a disaster. Don't do that. Pick one or two. It would be my guess. And it's not for the fact of hearing them talk. It's for the sheer amount of tiny font and numbers that is going to be shown on PowerPoints. Yeah, but a lot of guys think farm marketing meetings, what do they think? Oh, there's going to be some guy from out of town, probably dressed uh, nicer than everybody else here, and he's going to have a slick back hair and tell me what he thinks the market's going to do. And like I said, it'll it'll be skirting the the line of condescension of uh, of overwhelming people with numbers and all, all sorts of fun stuff but but people go and they expect rumors of why the market could do so and and so a guy may even really share with you what he thinks he's I, I think by you know, we haven't even planted the crop yet we're just there's just rumors of what acres are going to get planted at this point but we're going to say I think based on this and trend lines of this, that, and the other, and and uh, other countries that exist and and uh, have maybe some countries that don't exist. I mean, USDA reported uh, Wakanda numbers one there, time, so I'm telling you. So we we get there, and some guy maybe he really does even give a thing, and then he'll he'll build his whole case of why it should go this way or that way, and then he'll say unless some other things happen, then possibly couldn't. So they're always covered. It's and a, you're done. It's a classic brokerage uh, brokerage talk. Nobody knows, right? Nobody knows which way the market's going. So if you want to have a productive farm marketing meeting as an no, hold elevator. Hold up, hold up, before you give that secret. Okay. Up. So if we agree 
what you just laid out is the de facto default for farm marketing meetings in this great land of ours and probably Canada. And both the attendees and the presenters have the expectation that that's what's going to happen here. What you just described sounds like something no one would ever willingly attend or put on. Yet it happens. It's an obligatory thing, right? From all parties. It's like, yeah, well, you know, they're the got to go support the local business, the local co-op or, or whatever. And so, yeah, I'll go attend the thing. Everybody will be there. I'll see everybody. It's a social thing. Uh, my wife likes to go and meet the other people's wives and that sort of thing. It can, it can be that. Um, You're talking like dinner meetings, though. Sometimes they're in the yes. mornings and in the, in the noon times, which is the middle of the day. And it can be, you know, where there is no women allowed. I've seen that happen. Right. Well, and you they know, don't know it's 2020 yet, but it happens. Well, maybe you just need to tell your wife that you're going to this so that it, you know, looks like you're working hard even in the winter, you know. Smart. You know, planning, business planning. Uh, so, but, anyway. it, but in general, the, the, the biggest percentage of these things are terrible. Can we say that? <laughs> It, yeah. it, look, it, it, on, on our side of it, it's when we go to to elevator, you know, national industry conferences and stuff like that, or trade shows, and its expectations are pretty low. Let's face it, but they're met. Maybe that's more important. <laughs> but you know, it's, it's, it seems like an insane cycle. We keep doing this stuff, but it doesn't have to be that way, right? Please I tell me not. it doesn't. I hope not. It doesn't have to be that way. So how do you do a productive farm marketing meeting? Roger, you do, you do them all the time, and they're wildly productive, right? Are they? Some of what you just said is true. Some <laughs> is subjective. No, but, you know, I, charts and, and numbers and, and figures, and, man, that's, that's fine, I guess, for somebody. Uh, most people know it's not fine for them. And, um, but it can be productive, and it all it all comes back to your intention and your expectation. If you expect just go in and as a presenter and regurgitate a bunch of noise, especially other people's noise that you just found because you think people want, are expecting to hear it, have you done your job? Well, maybe you 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 think you have, but uh, too many times someone gives gets up on the stage or in front of people or in a shop or wherever you're at, community center or whatever, and just rattles off a bunch of information to people whether it be weather-related, trade-related, price-related, all this stuff. But at the very end of the thing, they don't ask for any action. They just take a bow, thank you, I'm going to go eat my Salisbury steak now and creamed corn, and then I'm leaving. Thanks for the koozie. That's it. <laughs> they don't ask for action. That's how you make it productive. That's just inherent in it. It's an execution thing. Hey, here's all this information. Hey, by the way, did you know that X price offered here locally is profitable today? Maybe you should look at putting Target in. Would you please put Targets in? Drop the mic and walk off the stage. You know, one of the things that keeps people around at, at some of these things are are the drawings. Not, not picture drawings, but raffle drawings. And it can range, you know, the obligatory thing is, um, as, as Randy likes to collect, Yetis. 
you you put a Yeti up and you raffle it off. They that, keep your that, white claws cold longer. They keep his white claws cold longer. <laughs> I guess white claws require expensive type ice, <clears throat> I'm told. So um, there you go. Dry but, ice? But you have you have you know you have this stuff and uh, it's nice to give away or you get local businesses donate stuff and give away. But you know ultimately it's 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 like golden handcuffs. It's that is what's keeping you there to suffer through the terrible PowerPoint you're about to endure. Because you got to sit through this with a full belly of food before you can get the magic box of ice. Can I just say also? So we're speaking to obviously people. Uh, in in both uh, points of view from a farm meeting, there, there's some farmers that listen to this podcast. There are some elevators that listen to this podcast. Elevator folks, can I just say, yes, if, you can. Okay, good. Thanks, Roger. Uh, Randy, you good? Is that okay? Um, can I just say this uh, th- this idea of of getting up and and having someone speak or having multiple people speak? Like people's attention spans are not that long. How long should a marketing presentation last, Roger? 30 minutes max. Tops. Absolute tops. And But we get up there. I went to a farmer meeting one time, and I was one of like two or three marketing people. So Because, you know, people have multiple brokers, and they want to let them all come. You know, they all have their different perspective. We're, we're definitely different than most in that we're not technical analysis and all this uh, reports of this, that, and the other, and... Uh, trying to predict things that you can't predict. But anyways, I, I kid you not, I got up there and this guy, well, I, I sat in the front row and watched as he pulled up his PowerPoint slides and you could see back then it had, you know, the bottom right corner. You could see how many slides were in the presentation in the 70s. <laughs> it's like, no, surely he's going to skip around, right? No, he is going to flip from chart to to chart and explain everything on it. I kid you not. It was, it was an hour and, and, and he was, and by the end, he's just like skipping through because he's like, well, I've gone twice as long as I wanted to. And everybody just beside themselves. Uh, and then, then they're like, okay, now you go. I'm like, they don't need more things. So tell you what, let's just turn this bad boy off and let's have a, have a chat <laughs> fireside chats with uh, Jason. So anyways, nice. it was, uh, it was crazy, but I mean, I mean, it's easy to, I, I guess you want to have a point of difference, uh, be- between the presentation so that we definitely had it that day for sure. But, um, but anyways, it's always like you were saying, I mean, crop insurance guys are usually pretty good to have, uh, bank bankers. I don't think I've been one at a, where a banker spoke. Oh, yeah, yeah. Roger. Uh, back when when uh, when I went to do your farmer meeting, when, when I was you a customer, the, yeah. when you were at the elevator, um, you had some financial planners or uh, oh succession guys. succession planning yeah. guys, and that was really really good. I thought uh, that's that's a real issue people have, but but uh, I, yeah, I, people do have the issue of dying. <laughs> well, and and transitioning their business without having to sell off their family oh, farm, right? And so that that was uh, that was really good, eye opening for everybody there, and. Um, it was good stuff. So I'd say, ha- and and some people pay speakers to come in that have like their talks, you know, how to get 400 bushel of the acre corn and they have their big whatever. And uh, so that's fun. Big yield. Is that what you're looking for? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I mean, my, my point is like people have, so 
have a topic that they're going to cut. So they're coming to listen to a certain topic. You know, they they actually put some effort into marketing the meeting, uh, which is right. which is good. Right. Well, Other than it, we're going to have food, it comes right. down to intent. I mean, and uh, any topic can be engaging if you have a the right speaker. I, I would submit even the most yeah. boring things can can seem engaging if it just doesn't involve someone turning their back to the audience and reading PowerPoint slides to the audience, which I did a scientific poll on ag Twitter, this thing out there, ag Twitter. And more people said they would rather uh, have good food or that they better have good food. If they're going to be subjected to staring at someone's back while they're being read PowerPoint slides too. Nice. So food is important. Interesting shirts with back logos. Also important. (laughs) But now, uh, before we get into the pros and cons and, and some examples of what we've seen or been a part of over time, which I think we've got some good anecdotal anecdotes, we'll go into today's sponsor. We have one. We actually have a sponsor. New year, new sponsors. High times, right, Randy? He knows. <laughs> Who we got today, Jason? The sponsor of this episode is, appropriately, PowerPoint Slides. PowerPoint slides for when you want to razzle-dazzle with your animation of words, fly in or fade. Who knows? Who cares? PowerPoint. PowerPoint slides. Just hit the space bar, please. PowerPoint slides because transparencies won't fit on a jump drive. PowerPoint slides. Whoops. Went one too far. How do I make it go back? PowerPoint. PowerPoint slides. Would you just look at it? PowerPoint slides. Are these words too small? Here, I'll read them. PowerPoint slides, because you're never going to check these chart numbers. All right, so let's get into the rest of the show here. We wanted to talk through some stories. Roger and I, over the years, have done a farmer meeting or two ourselves, and we have some some good, bad, and ugly probably to, to share with you. So uh, first off, wanna, let's talk location-wise. What is a good location to have it? What, what sort of locations have, have you done these at? Roger. All kinds. No, it, it, like we said earlier in the episode, um, shops, elevator offices, um, little <laughs> uh, restaurants in towns, anywhere that usually has a roof, some electricity, and a chair. That's really, I think, the only things you really need. For them, because some people really, you know, they'll say, "Oh, well, you need a, you obviously need a screen for your projector." That's not true. Walls work. Plywood painted white will work. A empty hopper bottom will work. You know, in a pinch. One time, I uh, had a had a guy say, "Well, you know, we can we can pin like a bed sheet up there or something," which which that works. However. Ones with flower patterns, not so much. Mm, it does <laughs> make for a little pro tip for you. Tough. It's uh, a little different, but can't read all those words with little <laughs> tiny flowers on the screen. Sure. But no, different places, uh, and some of them, you know, community centers, different places, and it can be anywhere. You know, coffee shops go to the people, if you will. Yeah. Um, that's uh, always fun. I went just to observe you at a farmer meeting one time, in, in all your glory, and uh, there was a faint. I thought it was a babbling brook in the background but it turned out to be a chocolate fountain <laughs> at the golden corral <laughs> oh my gosh so of all the places that you could have a farmer meeting and 
I say have them. Um, after presenting them, my two and I have guys. I have a lot of challenges in life. You know, it's tough. True. And um, so, two of the biggest challenges I faced, both were at farmer meetings, both were at Golden Corrals, one in Missouri, one in Georgia. The Missouri one, which Jason's referring to, I had to compete against a chocolate fountain, and that's, <laughs> you know, a uh, uh, shout out to Kyle Samp on Twitter. He's a fan of the chocolate fountains, but I, you know, um, it's just hard to get attention. You know, I've got to read these PowerPoints. This thing's over here beckoning people to come stick their fingers in it and lick it. Um, it just it makes it tough. Now, the one in Georgia was interesting because I got to the Golden Corral, you know, down there, and uh, it was five minutes before the place opened. I got to be honest, that's the first time I'd ever been to a pre-opening of a Golden Corral. <laughs> and so I was standing there, and, and incredibly, there was two other gentlemen standing at the front door with me. Uh, both of them were a little aged. They looked a little haggard. And uh, so I come be bopping up with my logo shirt on and a backpack, had the projector and stuff in it. And we're standing there kind of whistling, waiting, and they're staring at me. One guy bends down. He looks at my shirt and says, hmm, White's Commercial, what you selling today? I said, I'm not selling anything. I'm actually here to talk. And before I could spit anything else out of my mouth, the other gentleman looks at me and says, carpet bagger <laughs> i turned hill and went back to the car to wait until the manager opened the doors i know when i'm not welcome uh, um, but then i went back in and did a whiz bang job of uh reading powerpoints before we all went and grabbed our food under the sneeze garden well so as far as location it, it like you're saying it does it does it really matter where where it's done there yeah, I think it does. Yeah. Um, I think a little bit of thought. You know, there's a, there's a, I like to think there's best practices, just like anything else. There's best practices of, of doing these meetings well. And it just means you put some thought into it. Um, try not to have any other outside um, distractions, decent lighting. Um, you know, the big thing I, I think is, is more than location necessarily is the order of operations. And this is always a big one. Do you, speak first and then serve the food or let the mm, folks yeah, eat and then point. talk. And I think that changes based on if it's a morning meeting, noon meeting, evening meeting. But I would say this too from experience. If you are setting up a farm marketing meeting, please, please be considerate of your speakers and what they've got to deal with. So again, one time I was going to do a meeting and customer called and said, Hey, can you come speak? It's going to be seven in the evening uh, after dinner. And I was like, well, you know, after dinner, I, I get it. Yeah, I'll come do that. Fine. And he goes, good. And, you know, you come set up, we'll be here starting at five. I said, wait, five. I said, what are you guys doing at five? He goes, oh, that's when happy hour starts. I said, you want me to talk two hours after a group of farmers have been hitting the white claw out here? This is incredible. <laughs> He's like, well, there's no problem with that. Is there? Oh, slightly, but luckily they had a, a bullhorn on hand. And and the saving grace was they were raffling off a Yeti, and they weren't about to draw any tickets until Raji got done talking. So I had some attention for a little bit of time. But uh, yeah, if you're going to serve alcohol, yeah, it's wait a little later in the evening for sure. Uh, after after yeah. speakers, after speakers, yeah, yeah, it could yeah. be in the morning after speaker. You know, we're not <laughs> judging. But no, I've heard horror stories of people getting heckled stuff, and that just makes me cringe as a 
person who speaks in front of audiences regularly, it's uh, definitely something you don't want to have to deal with. Yeah. So is there a good a good size of audience you should you should try to get? I think it goes to intention. Do you want to just do a, a, a show of appreciation? Your customers have everybody come out. If you're wanting to talk specifically a topic like marketing and get people in active, smaller groups are better. You know, you've seen people be successful with groups of seventy. Uh, not saying that can't be done, but ten, a dozen, six. Uh, you get guys, people open up because here's the thing: if you don't know this. See, there's the condescension thing. There you go. If you don't know this, people don't like to ask questions in a big group because they're afraid of looking stupid, even though half the other people in the room are probably thinking the same thing. So yeah. if you want to interaction with people to talk, smaller group, the better. And I, I'm by no means an expert on this, but we have some customers that do some fantastic jobs of this, and it, they've almost got it into a, an art form. And uh, all the way from getting people a fear of FOMO if they don't show up at the meeting to – um, having them, they'll be uh, putting in offers for new crop grain by the time they're leaving the meeting on target orders. It's incredible. And uh, there's no arm twisting involved. It's just a process of expectations has been built up over several years. Yeah. That, that's productive. That, that's worthwhile. You know, uh, reading, reading off PowerPoints, maybe not so much. Yeah. Well, and I think everybody has their own comfort level or style for how they do their meetings. Like you said, there are Folks are like, hey, let's keep it 10 to 12. I'm going to invite these people and have set times throughout the day. They can have sign-up times. And once this one's full, you're in the, a different mm-hmm. one and, and all that. And that's that's been a real good model for those folks. Now, other people do have a big blowout, you know, 200 people show yeah. up thing and and have had success with it. So yeah. uh, it's not it's definitely not a one-size-fits-all thing. And some people just swear them off. They, right, they will right. never do them. Sure. And uh, maybe maybe they'll do um, little groups of or one on one. That's technically a, yeah. a meeting, you know. So uh, yeah. you're meeting that person. Yeah. It's a meeting. So there you go. So one of the other things I can think of that kind of sticks out that was a less than stellar experience was uh, uh, doing one of these meetings. They had an agronomy guy talk, and then I got up there, and then uh, state college extension economist talked. And you know, beforehand, you know, you like to compare uh, notes compare decks with the other folks, if you will, to make sure your message is lined up and you're not cross, you know, at odds with, with people, which doesn't, I don't think happens very often, but you want to make sure. And so we were all, you know, hey, proactive marketing, put in target orders, sell above, you know, uh, at profitable levels and don't think too much about it other than that. Don't chase things. Anyway, uh, good. So agronomy guy goes, I go, extension economist goes. And everything's great. And I'm thinking in my mind, I'm sitting there in the audience like, man, these guys are going to be fired up. They're going to sell some grain. They're going to talk their marketing plans. Good. Unfortunately, before the economic guy got done talking, he said, before I finish up, I would like to talk to you about my weather predictions for the summer. Neat. He went all, he went full meteorologist on them. And he proceeded to say that we were due for a drought. <laughs> and my jaw hit the floor. And afterwards, he comes up to me. He's like, that was pretty good, right? I go, <laughs> well, it was up to a point. <laughs> that's, the only people, that's the only thing they're going to remember when they go home. Is like, oh, the guy says it's going to be a drought. Better not yeah. sell anything, Ed. And for the record, there was not a drought that year in that part of the world. <laughs> yeah, and I, I have gone. There have been a few occasions where I, it's there's multiple different 
speakers on marketing and they have a different message than me. We don't compare ahead of time and I have to get up there after and say, eh, you know, this here's a different way to look at it. And I have to pretty much contradict uh, uh, people, uh, which is, which is not fun. So yeah, I mean, so from the elevator standpoint, if you're planning this thing and you, you want to get, well, I want to get these guys all this perspective. It sounds good, but then they have to get up there and contradict each other. And what, so then what message does, do your customers even get out of it? They, they don't, they just, right. everything contradicts. I guess I should just do nothing because I don't, yes. I don't know. Yeah. Um, some said this, some said that. Yeah. And so yeah, don't, don't do that. Get, get a consistent, sure. clear message. One, uh, one favorite is actually not even my story. It's uh, Jeff Reardon, who was on the, on the show before the banker, the banker's cut episodes. Oh, that guy. Um, he's our financial guy. So he was a banker for years and stuff. And he was actually going to be up, uh, when a customer was doing his farmer meetings anyways. And so he said, you, you come and he's, you know, you got the banking background, just hammer, hammer on break evens. Just make sure you got to know your break evens, break even, break even, and go through the financial side of that. And it just, and so he said, Hey, he programmed me. I got up there and I did it. He went 15, 20 minutes talking about break evens for this area and why they're so important and knowing your break evens and, and just break even. And, and then, and then he's, you know, finished up. He's like, okay, I did, did a good job doing what I thought. Then the guy, the, the merchandiser guy that, that was actually going to do the, the rest of the marketing part, he gets up there and he says, we're not here to talk about break evens. We're going to make money, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. And, uh, anyways, it was great. So and, uh, so then he's like, "Let's break even. We don't need to worry about that. Let's talk about how we're going to make it." So and then he did the profit profitability talk and how you know. But anyway, it was it was a funny uh, funny transition from one to the other. Jeff got set up a little bit, I think. It's awesome. It's incredible. But you know, so if you're if you're the one putting this on, it kind of behooves you to put some thought into it, let the speakers know your intentions, your expectations for them and the audience. Hey, maybe ask to see their <laughs> their presentation before they give it. So there's no, uh, you know, uh, do it a while. You know, I'm asking guys like, look, if we're going to talk marketing, something simple, what contracts do you offer? And how many, what percentage of guys do this? And what's your local yields? And, you know, stuff that you should know if you're going to do a market. If you're going to do, if you're a presenter and you're going to do one of these meetings and you use vague global numbers for this right. community of people, you're going to lose them in a heartbeat. They're not going to. As soon as they say, well, that's not our yields around here. That's not our cost. And you've lost them. You yeah. know, so, so you got to it's know your audience. I think that's speaker 101. We took Dale Carnegie. Doesn't that, doesn't that what happened? Yeah. I, I don't so. know. Things I just happened. went, we got, we got a, you know, little certificate and, you know, life's good. You still go. waiting on Phil to give us a raise on that though. Yeah. We, we got a, the, the deal with, with, I guess what you're talking about is, talking to your speakers, making sure that they are promoting what you want them to promote. So yes. Contra contracts. Yes. If so, some speakers have a, have a talk that they give on different types of contracts that maybe you don't even offer, right. or maybe there's right. a certain contract that you're going to be offering this year for the first time or, or have just started in the last year. And you'd like them to explain it more, like let them know that stuff yeah. and they can, they can do that. Cause this is a time where you got all your customers together and you can explain it once and not have to explain it 50 times, yes. you know, such so a valuable you, time. Use that. And, and, and a lot of stuff, even if you've been doing it for years, it's the obvious Adams thing. Like just be obvious. Mm -hmm. Say we have target orders. Here's how they work. Maybe that's the, the crux of your entire farm marketing program, which it is for a lot of folks. 
explain them. Explain that they don't yes. cost anything. You can change them. And this is how they like explain some of that stuff because this is a this is a time where you have everybody together and you can you can uh, lay that out in a way that's not condescending, but right. still right. Ex- toe that line. I had a, a meeting in Iowa, and it, when you go and do these outside the the, the Midwest, people's always like, ah, oh, you know, my farmer's a little different down here, and they, they don't do like they do in the Midwest. And it's like, well, what do you mean? My guys don't sell when the price goes up or whatever it is. Guess what? It's all the same because we're all humans. The issues are the same everywhere. So don't assume that it's, you know, people have different behaviors just because they're in North Carolina or Colorado as opposed to Illinois or Iowa or Missouri or something. That's, that's not true. Um, but, but what Jason was saying to being obvious, doing a, a meeting in uh, eastern Iowa one time and just target this, target that, target or this, target or that throughout the meet. Assuming everybody knew, knew what that meant, a farmer come up afterwards that wasn't our customer's normal customer. He was from out of the area, but he was doing business with her. And he says, I've been farming 26 years. What's the target order you're talking about? I was like, wow. So, and it could be just a terminology thing. Maybe they call them firm offers or whatever in, in his market or his trade area, whatever it is. Or maybe he just didn't actually know that was a tool. Because some it's amazing that the the... the the tools and the names of those tools from from region to region vary so much, and so just don't <laughs> don't you know we're trying to get these guys to take action because they're in a in a confined area and they can't leave until they finish hearing you out. So make your words count. Yeah. That's all. And you and yeah, you're gonna get weird questions at the end uh, sometimes, <laughs> and and it may not be public questions for a Q and A period, but just people come up to you afterwards. Hey, we're all eating or whatever, and they come. Hey, talk to you. Hey, that was really cool and everything. Because uh, like I'll, I'll do a I'll do a meeting course when we do meetings. It's we're not gonna predict price. We're gonna right. just say here's where it is. Here's if if this level's not good. Here's what makes a certain profit. Blah blah blah. You know, we drill down on that, and because the, there's no point in trying to guess prices and all that. And it never fails. Guys come up to me, okay. And I know he said that was really good. You know, I agree with all this shit. But but what do you think though? About what? <laughs> well, like prices. You, I mean, you think we should see this number this year? I'm like, without no, fail. I really believe what I said. You know, <laughs> I know what you told those other guys out here, but you could tell me what's really going to happen. But my favorite story is, is one time we were in the in the south of Louisiana around like oh six oh seven and um, and. They had, they hadn't grown corn down there a long time, and they had just started. And that year, they grew a whole bunch. The market was starting to rally, you know, into 08 or whatever. Um, and basis got really low. Usually around there, it's about even sep at harvest. And that year was 70 under because they just everything came off at the same time. It was just corn everywhere, and they didn't have the space to handle all that, uh, all that corn. And it was it was a real good year uh, production wise, and it got 70 under sep and so they told good communication ahead of time with the elevator. They said, look, got to explain to these guys what basis is in general and why it was so different, mm-hmm. and, you know, where, how that all works because they think, you know, they are getting screwed somehow, uh, going from even normally to 70 under. And so we did, I mean, that's, that's what I did. So the, the whole meeting, uh, I'm, most of the meeting is explaining why cash prices do what they do. And, and I try to explain the basis from the farmer standpoint and help them understand. And uh, so then they open it up to questions at the end. And they said, all right, uh, first guy stands up. He's, hey, you know, I, I understand what you're saying and all that. That's real good. But so, so if it's 70 under, who gets that? <laughs> 
who gets that 70 cents? And I'm like, ah, I, I, you don't understand anything I said. So that See, didn't work. that's when I would have said it's one of the major grain companies. That's who gets it. Right. When in doubt, blame one of the majors. That always goes over well. Yeah. Unless yeah. you happen to be speaking at one of the majors and you blame somebody else. Yeah. They got, Everybody they needs a bad guy. Yeah. And they're, well, you say, you say that and they're like, yeah, yeah, that's what I figured. Yeah, I, I figured it was that. those guys yeah, anyway. Or blame guys. Chicago. They, you know. Look, here's the point. It wasn't the guy here that's putting on this meeting. Right, exactly. He didn't make anything no, off of it. He's just a victim like you are. <laughs> uh, but anyways, it's a, it's funny. the elevator's cut. Am I right? The basis. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyways, we've, uh, we beat this dead horse a little yeah. too much. But, but so the successful meetings, the big thing is at the end, the expectations of the person attending is, hey, do business with me. Sell me grain. Think ahead. Let's put a plan together. All that sort of ask them to do it. That's, that's the big that's thing. It. That's all you got to ask them. And, you know, with that is the follow-up. And it's incumbent on the merchandiser or whoever's hosting the marketing meeting to follow up with those attendees within a week. That is so important. Whether they put in targets that night or you send them home with them or the call, follow up. Because if not, and what I've seen, if you let it last more than a few days or a week max, you know, it's kind of gone, gone on to something else. You got to strike while iron's hot and get some action taken, especially this time of year before they get busy in the fields if it ever dries up and all this. You know, it's you got to have expectations. You can't be afraid to ask them to take action. Yeah. You can't be afraid to do that. So, um, you should. And if you, if you are, have the speaker do it. Speaker yeah. And they can draw Venn action. diagrams and equal signs and arrows and make things work. Uh, you know, like it needs to. But some people do. You're not entered for their raffle or anything unless you've done a, a target order yeah. or something. Or yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, so an offer to sell. Sometimes grain, things so. sound gimmicky, but man, they work. You know, that first target's the toughest one to get as a buyer, but once you get it, the other ones come a whole lot easier. Yeah. So, like you said, I think we've uh, covered uh, near exhaustion. We could probably go a little share some other stories, but we're going to cut fun. it off there for today because Randy looks like, yeah. It's beer thirty. That's what he's saying. So Randy's having car problems, so he's had this sour face uh, on the entire show, and it's really killing my vibe over here. Am I right, Roger? Yeah, he's it's incredible. Yeah, Roger is going to go uh, roll his sleeves up and fix his car for him, so he won't have any expense. Right? Oh, there'll be expense. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Well, thanks again for listening. And, and sharing and subscribing and liking. And if I just thanked you for something you haven't done, do those things, please. Nice. That is asking for the business. Setting expectations, if you will. Always ask for the business. <laughs> please, uh, please, please continue to listen. Please listen to more episodes, all that stuff. And, uh, and thanks a lot. So for Roger, I'm Jason. For Jason, I'm Roger. Thanks for listening to The Elevator's Cut. Out. Out.